0: From RTE Muse, this is States of Mind. Donald, you're not gonna be able to insult your way to the presidency.
1: Little Buddha, attack, Slippy Joe and Crazy Bernie, Mini Mike, I hit Pocahontas way too early. We have a president who is not only a pathological liar. We have a criminal living in the White House. A billionaire who calls women fat broads and horse-faced lesbians. Let's just pick somebody, please, and let's start this thing. Let's start it. Pick somebody.
2: Your U.S. Election 2020 podcast.
0: With Brian O'Donovan in Washington.
2: And Jackie Fox in Dublin. Today.
1: And I commit that I will in fact appoint a, I pick a woman
2: to be vice president. If he asked you to be his running mate, would you say yes? Yes. I mean, Mike Pence, I don't think he sleeps anymore.
0: Thank you to uh, Satan for giving me inspiration
1: on how to play this role. What really irritated me about that is he shot the only trial lawyer for me in Texas. (laughs) That's right, the guy was a lawyer. Yeah.
2: How does a little bit of freedom taste over there, Brian?
0: Well, it was interesting, Jackie, last week, myself and my cameraman, Murray, headed to West Virginia, where they have started to reopen. So West Virginia, we went to a town called Charlestown, which is just over the border from Virginia. And that in itself became sort of the focus of the piece because it is literally just over the border from Virginia where lockdowns are in place still. West Virginia opening up, barbershops, restaurants, cafes. So what you have is people in those lockdown states nipping over the state line to get the haircut or to go for a bite to eat and then of course that raises big problems and big questions because if you're trying to contain an infection and a specific state has decided well we're not ready to reopen but their neighbouring state has this flow of people back and forth so it's definitely going to make the u s. recovery and the u s. reopening very, very complicated and very, very interesting because, of course, there are no borders between states. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to block people going over state lines. So it certainly adds an added layer of complication. I did, however, Jackie, get to sit at a restaurant surrounded by diners and have a lunch. Brian so don't be jealous. I saw, I you. And I saw none you of what... us have done in weeks. I, I saw
2: you <laughs> on the sixth one, and I said, I, I was just thinking, you know what? The whole nation is going to be so jealous of Brian O'Donovan for sitting. At a cafe table getting to sit Yeah, Yeah, of just getting to sit down Outside with other people around you Oh, the jealousy was brewing It really, really
0: was Jealousy, but it has to be said concern Because even West Virginia You you kind of wonder Well, should you guys be reopening? Now as a state, they have low numbers But you are meant to hit certain criteria About ventilators, hospitals, a fall in cases And many of the states haven't hit those criteria Mm -hmm. But they're opening anyway And of course the big news here, Jackie Over the weekend Was the fact that there's wouldn't quite say an outbreak, but certainly concerns in the White House itself. We had a member of the military who works on the White House campus tested positive for the coronavirus on Thursday. On Friday, Mike Pence, the vice president's press secretary, woman by the name of Katie Miller, she tested positive. She is married to Stephen Miller, who's a senior advisor to Donald Trump. He has tested negative, but certainly we see people in very close proximity to the president and the vice president mm-hmm. testing positive potentially being exposed. There was media reports at the weekend that Mike Pence was going to self-isolate and not come into the White House to work. The White House has dismissed that, saying, yes, he is going to come into the White House to work. But several key members of the coronavirus task force in the White House have also been exposed and they're not going to be coming into work and they're going to be self-isolating and self-quarantining. So it's put another focus on the White House itself and a focus on the vice president, which is something we're going to be talking about this week. And I think in my Pence and in the Coronavirus Task Force, we see an example of a big, high-profile job being given to a Vice President.
2: I like your link there, because happy Veep Day. We It is all about the Vice Presidents today. We've christened it today, Veep Day. Everything you need to know about Vice Presidents. And that's where we're going to begin today with our refresher. We might as well just start with the beginning, Brian. So what exactly does the Vice President do? Let's go into that. To be a vice president first, there is a certain level of criteria needed. Not just anyone can express interest and go for it. You have to be a natural born US citizen, at least 35 years old and a US resident for at least the previous 14 years. Other than this, they don't really require any special qualifications.
0: No, I mean, you don't need to have anything specific on the CV, but in practice, most candidates have served in Congress. They've been high-ranking military officers or state governors. They usually do have a political background. They have a level of knowledge about government and how it works. And this can be an incredibly powerful position in the executive branch of the federal government. I say can be because the role of vice president, I suppose, can be broken into two sections, really, and it depends on the individual's enthusiasm for a role. The main responsibility of the vice president is the role of the president of the Senate
2: yeah and what that means is that they preside preside over senate proceedings debates and overseeing operations there in recent times though many vps skip those responsibilities and nowadays just get involved when they have a casting vote basically the vice president does not have a vote in the senate unless senators are deadlocked on an issue. Votes are 50-50, as there are 100 senators. Then the vice president has the deciding vote. For instance, the current vice president, Mike Pence, cast the tie-breaking vote to confirm Betsy DeVos as secretary of education.
0: That's right. And that was actually the first time in history that the vice president used a tiebreaker to confirm a cabinet secretary.
1: On this vote, the yeas are 50, the nays are 50. The Senate being equally divided, The vice president votes in the affirmative and the nomination is confirmed.
0: Now, the only other formally recognised duty of the vice president is to preside over and certify the tally of the electoral college votes after a presidential election has taken place, which can mean that if vice presidents are themselves running for president while in office and they win, they can officially announce their own election as the president or it can go the other way around, as we saw with poor Al Gore. George W. Bush of the state of Texas... Has received for President of the United States 271 votes. Al Gore
1: of the state of Tennessee has received 266 votes. May God bless our new President and our new Vice President, and may God bless the United States of America.
2: Oh, I can't imagine what was going through his head when he had to do that. But there is a reason that the Vice President is known as a heartbeat away from the presidency. If a sitting president resigns, is impeached or even dies, the vice president takes over. And we've seen that 14 vice presidents have gone on to become president. Eight of them were because of the death of a sitting president. Like Lyndon B. Johnson, he was inaugurated aboard Air Force One on November 22nd, 1963, following the assassination of JFK only earlier that day.
1: At 2.38 in the forward cabin of Air Force One, A necessary ceremony.
2: I do solemnly swear swear. that I will faithfully execute the Office of President of the United States. Office of President.
0: Now, a president doesn't permanently have to leave office for the vice president to become acting president. And this happened in 1985 when President Ronald Reagan underwent surgery. It happened again in 2002 and 2007 when President George W. Bush was sedated for medical procedures. And there are lots of informal roles, too, that the vice president does. And these are probably the more visible side of the job.
2: Yeah, they depend very much on the relationship between the president and. The vice president of the day, they can include making public appearances, representing the president, performing ceremonial duties in place of the president, acting as an advisor to the president, helping the president in times of crisis, as we've seen with Mike Pence take lead of the US task force on COVID-19, which we'll talk about later. And finally, meeting with heads of state or government of other countries. And we are all too familiar with them here. The US Vice President Mike Pence has arrived in Shannon at the start of an official two-day visit to Ireland.
0: US Vice President Joe Biden has been visiting parts of Mayo with the Taoiseach as part of his six-day visit to Ireland. Now it can be said too, I suppose, that the role of the Vice President doesn't necessarily begin when they get elected. It starts much earlier than that. It starts when they get selected. And as we know, Vice Presidential candidates run together with presidential hopefuls during an election on this joint ticket. And it's very much you campaign with your running mate with your vice president, like we saw it with Trump, Pence, the two names are put on all the posters and all the merchandise. So once that vice presidential candidate has been confirmed, voters are selecting the president and the vice president as a single package. And I suppose their role isn't just being the Robin to their Batman during the time in office, because whoever a presidential candidate chooses as their running mate needs to be someone who can help. They must bring something to the table. There must be some strengths. Maybe they will flatter their strengths or build on their weaknesses or lend an extra bit of panache. There has to be something in it for the presidential candidate when it comes to choosing their vice president.
2: They really have a power to crystallise a candidate and bring in voters that may be on the fence when looking at a particular candidate To mention Lyndon B. Johnson again, he helped JFK get elected. He was this, you know, massive, charismatic Texan leader of the Senate Democrats and helped the young Kennedy win the South and fought to overcome suspicions that he wanted to overshadow the president.
0: Yeah, and we've seen that again and again as sort of the younger candidate looking for the more experienced, perhaps older vice president. We saw it with Barack Obama in 2008. He was only a freshman senator who was running for president. A lot of people hadn't even heard of him until he hit the campaign stage. And there was a lot of criticism and worry surrounding his candidacy that he didn't have enough experience. He wasn't a big enough name. But picking Joe Biden helped fill that gap because he was a man who had been in politics for decades and knew the system well.
2: And when Joe Biden was running with Barack Obama, he actually summed up the VP role quite well when he was asked by a 10-year-old on the campaign trail.
1: And my job is to say to Barack Obama when I think he's wrong, well, Barack, what do you think about this? That's what he wants me to do. And my job is when he makes a decision to help him get it enforced. Thanks, good luck. Hey, man, thank you. Thank you.
2: Vice Presidents have probably led to some of the most bizarre and memorable moments in U.S. history. We first have to talk about Dick Cheney, George W. Bush's VP, the man who one time shot somebody.
0: When your Vice President, Dick Cheney, when he shot that guy in the face,
1: (laughs) did he, how did he tell you? Did he call you? Did he come in and close the door? You know... uh... How did that go down? It was an unusual uh, period. Yeah, I would imagine so, yes. yeah. Did it ever seem funny at all to you? Well, every time uh, Cheney would come in, a lot of people would yell, duck.
2: <laughs> Cheney was a model enforcer, keeping the neoconservative troops in line and attacking the White House's political enemies with a lot of gusto. But he was downright frightening as well and George W. Bush liked to call him Darth Vader. I think he even called himself that at one stage.
0: I'm sure Ed Fulner thought well, if we're going to talk about Star Wars we might as well invite Darth Vader. <laughs> Yeah Jackie and I think maybe a lot of people didn't know a lot about Dick Cheney certainly he came to the fore in that movie Vice which was released a few years back he was played by Christian Bale and the movie was interesting and it spoke about how here's a movie about a vice president that you probably know very little about because he was very behind the scenes but he had all the power and he pulled all the levers and he was portrayed as this dark shadowy figure in the background of George W. Bush and he convinced George W. Bush the sort of hapless candidate for presidency he says I'll be your VP but I want all the power I want to control the military I want to control foreign policy and of course Dick he was in office around the time of 9-11. He was there for the invasion of Iraq. Guantanamo Bay. His hands, his fingerprints were on everything during the Bush administration. Now many would say that that movie portrayed him too much as a comic book villain and he wasn't really that bad. Christian Bale, when he won the Golden Globe for it, said that he'd been inspired by Satan when playing Dick Cheney and Dick Cheney reportedly has described Christian Bale as a dick and I don't think he was referring to the name of the character he was playing in the movie.
2: (laughs) Well at least the man Cheney shot didn't die. Uh, Some people may know this story from the music. The musical Hamilton. Aaron Burr, he was Thomas Jefferson's VP and he had fatal problems. Burr and one of the founding fathers, Alexander Hamilton, they were political rivals. Burr was frustrated at Hamilton over the years for blocking his political progression to the point that when he was VP, Burr promptly challenged Hamilton to a duel and actually killed him. Uh, some other vice presidents. Didn't have much love for the vice presidency either. John Nance Gardner, he was Franklin D. Roosevelt's VP. He was one of the least involved, let's put it like that, and famously said the vice presidency is not worth a bucket of warm piss.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then, of course, we have Dan Quayle. Dan Quayle was the vice president to George Bush Sr. And unfortunately for Dan he was known for his gaffes. He was portrayed as someone who wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer, if we can put it that way. He had some very memorable quotes, missteps. He said, I have made good judgments in the past. I have made good judgments in the future. And another one was, I believe we're on an irreversible trend towards more freedom and democracy, but that could change. So not as irreversible (laughs) perhaps as he thought, but his biggest gaffe and it is still gets played all the time it's a YouTube favourite came when he was at a spelling bee in a school in Trenton New Jersey a young boy was asked to spell potato he spelt it correctly but Dan Quayle spelled it incorrectly and told the boy he'd given the wrong answer and asked him to correct it
2: Oh that's still one that is just so so cringe uh, Let's go to some successes maybe now Brian in comparison Al Gore will probably go on to be one of the most active vice presidents in US history, advising Clinton on a number of key issues. Richard Nixon as well. He was vice president. He led cabinet meetings on behalf of President Dwight Eisenhower, while Lyndon Johnson boasted legislative savvy uh, more than the younger JFK that he could not match either. Another one as well, most recently, and of course, somebody that we're talking about a lot at the moment, is Joe Biden. Joe Biden and Barack Obama's relationship was also a noteworthy one. Everyone talked about the bromance that they had created over the years in office, ending the term, Barack Obama's term, with funny videos. But also probably the most poignant was when Obama awarded Biden with an incredible high honor, the Presidential Medal of Freedom. And Joe Biden got incredibly emotional during the ceremony because it was just such a shock for him, but also a massive deal.
0: Vice President Joe Biden walking into the state dining room. He thought he was there to join the president, the first family, his own family. Best vice president America's ever had. And not long after, the president with this. For the final time as president, I am pleased to award our nation's highest civilian honour, the Presidential Medal of Freedom.
2: When choosing a vice presidential candidate as well, Brian, the stakes are very high. With that power comes great responsibility because it can go really, really well or else it can go terribly wrong. And I know everyone has been waiting for this moment. I love those hockey
1: moms. You know, they say the difference between a hockey mom and a pit bull lipstick.
2: Sarah Palin offered some lighter moments in 2008.
0: Well Sarah Palin I think could be attributed to propelling the career of comedian Tina Fey she was on Saturday Night Live she was doing Sarah Palin every night she looked quite like her she sounded quite like her and she used to mock her and say oh I can see Russia from my house and she really did become this huge focus of fun Fun fact, Sarah Palin is back in the news this week. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you saw this. She turned up at a controversial hair salon in Dallas, Texas. You probably heard this, this owner of this hair salon in Dallas broke with the lockdown orders and fought the government and opened up her hair salon in spite of those coronavirus lockdown orders. She tore up... The citation in front of police officers, she was arrested and sentenced to seven days in prison and Sarah Palin showed up at that hair salon in recent days to show her support for that particular business and that particular fight against the coronavirus lockdown measures. Of
2: course, Sarah Palin, you know, she was up against Joe Biden back in 2008 and now... Joe Biden obviously going for the presidency and there's significant pressure on him to get this right and his pick right. We've spoken on the podcast before about how Joe Biden really needs to engage with younger voters, but also those on the more progressive side. His running mate not only needs to encapsulate that, but he's also promised that his pick will be a woman.
1: If I'm elected president, my, my cabinet, my administration will look like the country. And I commit that I will, in fact, appoint a, pick a woman to be vice president.
2: Before we go into an idea of who is on the cards, let's talk about the stakes, because this is no normal pick. And Biden has hinted towards that himself.
0: Yeah, I think what's very interesting about the Joe Biden campaign and this drive for a VP is that Joe Biden has hinted in recent weeks and months, that he may be a one-term president. He is 77 years of age now. He never said it outright, but his campaign hasn't really denied it. They've more kind of played it down that he might be a one-term president Recently, in an interview in a virtual town hall, he spoke about how he was going to be a transitional president mm. and spoke about clearing the field for other members of the team to come on. And this kind of talk about how, you know, I'll get them over the hurdle and then I'll pass on the baton. And that's a big deal then for his vice presidential pick because whoever that VP pick is could well be running for president themselves in just four years' time.
2: In past times, vice president presidential picks, they were were chosen at political conventions and only in recent years have running mates been chosen in a months-long secret process um, that culminates in an announcement just before the convention. One senator told CNN in 2012 who had what they say survived the presidential vetting process described it this way, it's like having a colonoscopy without the anaesthesia. Cory Booker He was actually, um, who was on the Democratic ticket this time around, he was vetted for being Hillary Clinton's running mate in 2016 and had a similar way of putting things.
0: Being vetted for vice president, not that glamorous. It's like having a proctology exam uh, where they are looking... Yeah, you, the, in places they're, they're not supposed to look. They, that is a very stressful deal. They are honing in on every aspect of your life. I mean, they were literally going back to, like, college essays that I had written and the like. It was amazingly thorough.
2: It seems like you, you never mind skeletons in the closet, you can't even have a speck of dust in that closet, a- Brian.
0: Absolutely. It is a rigorous vetting procedure because there cannot be any skeletons in the closet because if there's any drama or issues or baggage that comes out after the fact you will damage the presidential candidate and damage the entire campaign. And it was interesting in recent weeks, and we've spoken with this previously on the podcast, the allegations of sexual assault that were recently made against Joe Biden from Tara Reid. This was a staffer and his Senate staff back in 1993. She alleges sexual assault. Many of the commentators here pointed out, look, we're casting doubt on these allegations. We're not sure if they're true. And some pointing out that if this was the case, It surely would have come out in these rigorous vetting procedures that Joe Biden would have gone through back in the day when he was being vetted to become Barack Obama's running mate. It is certainly very vigorous, the idea being that it would, of course, uncover any skeletons, any baggage, any controversy that's lurking there in the background.
2: Okay, let's go to the fun part everybody loves speculating and let's start off with probably one of the strongest contenders Elizabeth Warren a CBS News poll says that 7 in 10 Democrats said that Biden should consider Warren to be VP I love the way that when she was asked about uh, being VP by Rachel Maddow um, it was like she, she said yes as if she was answering a marriage proposal If he asked you to be his running mate
0: would you say yes? Yes. Yeah, absolutely She's not making any bones about it. It's funny in this Actual And we've seen this With a couple of the candidates And we'll come on to more of them In a moment A lot of them have been very Yes, I want this <laughs> Yes, I'm going to fight for this Yes, I'm the, the woman for this job Because mm-hmm. usually in these circumstances Oh, you know Let's wait and see But no, everybody has been Very gung-ho Elizabeth Warren brings a lot To the table She's very popular She's an excellent debater She's an excellent speaker She also comes from That progressive Liberal Bernie Sanders Wing of the party So she would certainly Help to bring Those more left leaning Democrats into the Joe Biden camp, many of whom are not yet fully convinced that he is the man for them. So perhaps she is the woman to bring this forward. But then you look at the states. She's from the state of Massachusetts. She's a senator there. If she were to become VP, she would lose her Senate seat. And that could scupper the Democrats' hope of regaining control of the Senate after the next election.
2: Kamala Harris is kind of hot on Elizabeth Warren's heels as well in terms of this race?
0: Ticks a lot of boxes. She is extremely powerful speaker, very popular, African-American. Again, what does she bring to the table in terms of a state? She's from the state of California. The Democrats could run a cardboard cutout and they would win the state of California. It doesn't matter. She doesn't bring a state with her to the table, but she certainly brings a lot of other attributes and a lot of other potential boosts in votes for Joe Biden. Interestingly, though, there's been a lot of focus on the fact that she went very hard on Joe Biden, if you recall, during those early debates last year. She attacked him on issues of race. The suggestion is, Jackie, that that has ruffled a lot of feathers in the Biden camp. They did not like that. They did not like that she went after him so hard in the debates. Apparently, Joe Biden's wife, Dr. Jill Biden, still isn't particularly happy with the fact that she went after him. Others would say, however, that that's actually a positive and that it shows that this is the rough and tumble of the campaign, that she's well able to stand up for herself and that she can attack Joe Biden on the debate stage. She'll be well able to attack Mike Pence on the debate stage.
2: Kamala Harris vied for the candidacy this year and another one was uh, Senator Amy Klobuchar too. And you know what, she probably doesn't have much of a chance, but she has done so much for a woman who was relatively unknown this time last year outside of Minnesota where she represents. A stronger contender is probably Gretchen Whitmer. Uh, Her name is in the mix and has really been propelled into the spotlight due to being in Donald Trump's firing line recently.
0: Gretchen Whitmer is the governor of Michigan. Donald Trump has attacked her personally, saying that she is uh, too strict and that she should lift her lockdown measures. She's even he refers to her as that woman from Michigan, so much so that it's become this kind of slogan for her. And she wore that on a T-shirt when she did a TV interview recently. It said that woman from Michigan. She is an excellent media performer. She is an excellent debater. She gave the rebuttal. She gave the response to the State of the Union address this year from the Democratic side and she did a very good job there. And that often, as we know, is where the Democrats will place people who they are sort of seeing as rising stars in the party. It gives them this big national profile and then, of course, if you got the governor of Michigan, the hope would be that it would give you the state of Michigan. Michigan, of course, is a swing state and it is crucial to Donald Trump's re-election campaign.
2: Someone who has significant experience and knows how the White House works, given her role as ambassador to the United Nations during the Obama years, is Susan Rice. She's been making a lot of waves these days. And that's that's another name that has been mentioned as a VP for Joe Biden. There is also one woman, though, who it feels like she's been actively auditioning for the job and that is Stacey Abrams. I look forward to hearing from Vice President Biden about his selection process and all I can say is that if asked to serve I'd be honoured.
0: Yeah Stacey Abrams very interesting candidate as you say strongly in all her interviews says yes I want this and I think I'll be really good at it and I think I'll really boost Joe Biden's campaign. So who is Stacey Abrams? Stacey Abrams ran for the governor of Georgia back in 2018, and came very, very close. She did really, really well. She was defeated by Brian Kemp by only about 50,000 votes. And it was, of course, unheard of for a Democrat to win Georgia. She is an African-American woman. Again, a very powerful speaker, very good on the debate stage, very good on the podium. We saw her again last year. She was the Democrat's choice to give the rebuttal for that State of the Union address, which, as I said earlier, is this chance for them to audition and to boost the profile of a rising star within the party. What would she bring to the table? Well, if she brought the state of Georgia, it would be something, because Georgia, of course, is a Republican state. My concerns about Stacey Abrams, though... You know the cv Look, like, what is she okay she almost won the governor but she isn't a governor she was a member of the georgia house of representatives for several years so my concerns there might be that the cv isn't up to scratch to that level of experience that would be needed for a vp pick
2: we can only wait and wonder And let's do some more of that with a man who has been described as America's expert on the vice presidency, Joel Goldstein, Professor of Law at St. Louis University. Thank you so much for joining us on States of Mind. Joel, in a profile in the New York Times did on you in 2012, you mentioned that you're like an exotic plant that blooms every four years and are constantly in demand in elections for your thoughts on vice presidents. Is that the case again for 2020?
1: Well, <laughs> uh, actually, that was my wife's line about me, uh, about being an exotic plant that blooms every four years. And uh, it's it's starting to... Um, I'm starting to get a few calls of people who want to talk about the selection process. And then, of course, with the vice president's uh, Pence's visibility. So it's 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 been an interesting time.
2: Let's go back a little bit before we get to Mike Pence. Thomas Jefferson once said that when he was vice president, the second office of this government is honorable and easy. The first is but a splendid misery. What do you make of that?
1: (laughs) Well, it was, I mean, it, Thomas Jefferson was had sort of mixed feelings about whether to accept the office, because he, he thought that uh, he wouldn't have anything to do. The only job of the vice president then was to preside over the Senate, which was a pretty boring um, job. But ultimately, uh, Jefferson thought that he'd have a lot of time for reading and and, and thinking and and a lot of, be able to spend a lot of time at his uh, at, at his home in Virginia. I mean, it it changed really beginning with the Eisenhower Nixon term, where the vice president really moved away from the Senate and started spending more time in the executive branch and doing political activities. And then the real big change was with the Jimmy Carter Walter Mondale administration in 1977, where. The vice president really moved into the White House and became part of the president's inner circle, um, close personal advisor and troubleshooter for the president. And going forward, since then, um, over the last 45 years or so, The office really has become a significant part of government.
0: Before we look, I suppose, at the current process that's getting underway in the Joe Biden camp as he looks for his VP pick, let's look at the current guy in the office, Mike Pence. Would it be fair to say in recent months, because of the coronavirus, he has become very visible? Has he become far more visible than your usual vice president? So it's been an important and a visible role that the vice president's
1: played, but it's also in some ways... Uh been a typical vice presidential role in the sense that once the president stands on the stage, um, people become less interested in the vice president and more interested in the president. And President Trump tends to um, demand the spotlight um, even more than other presidents. And so I, I think that has been something of a problem for the vice president.
2: While Donald Trump takes or even took questions, boasts um, at podiums and often goes off on tangents, Even though Pence stands aside, he keeps his composure. Does he add a sturdiness to this administration by sticking to the script and reminding the nation of that typical politician? He's kind of like a Trump translator, kind of sanding off the rough edges of this administration at times.
1: Yeah, I think that's a wonderful insight and, uh, uh, into Vice President Pence. I mean, he, one of his skills is he's a very effective communicator. He's very good at staying on message. And so one of the roles he's played is, is that oftentimes the president says things that uh, aren't quite politic or they, um, uh, um, and, and they need to be sort of refined or cleaned up. And the vice president, uh, sort of without missing a, a, a blink, um, will come in and clean up what the president said. He's been very willing to uh, really sing the president's praises um, in ways that I think have have set new levels for vice presidential uh, rhetoric.
2: And Donald Trump trusts him as well, which can be rare in this White House. And Mike Pence has a good relationship with governors and has maintained a good working relationship with them even while they're fighting with the president. And Donald Trump will be the first to admit that himself. I mean, Mike Pence, I don't think he sleeps anymore. These, these are people that should be appreciated. He calls all the governors. I tell him,
1: I mean, I'm a different type of person. I say, Mike, don't call the governor of Washington. You're wasting your time with him. Don't call the woman in Michigan. Well, It doesn't make any difference don't what I happens. Call the governor of Washington? No, you know what I say? If they don't treat you right, I don't call He's a different type of person. He'll call quietly anyway, okay? But he's done a great job. In some ways, what you have is sort of an av- inversion of the normal role of president and vice president. The conventional wisdom was that the president sort of took the high road and the vice presidents were sort of the attacker. Um, in the um, Trump administration, oftentimes the president um, attacks his his political opponents and the vice president, um, um takes a, a a bit of a higher road
0: moving on joel to the joe biden campaign huge amount of focus on his vice presidential pick for a couple of reasons number one biden has hinted that he may be a one term president so he could be handing over the baton to whoever his vice president is and number two he has said it will definitely be a woman huge amount of focus do you think people are more enthused than usual about a vice presidential pick this time around
1: um, the world has changed a lot since 1984, when Walter Mondale um, chose Geraldine Ferraro to be his running mate. There are many more women in the Senate and as governors and former cabinet members and in, in the House of Representatives, but but um, it's, it, there still are are, are um, fewer women in those roles than men. So it's focused the discussion and it's it's caused people to sort of uh, lobby for their their favorites and. And there are ideas of what the vice president um, m- most needs is his running
0: mate. Do you think there are candidates out there that should be VP? Do you think there are certain candidates that are better than others? Do you think there are certain candidates that will help Joe Biden win, that bring more to the table?
1: Well, I think that, um, that Senator um, Harris, um, Senator um, Klobuchar um, would certainly be two of them.
2: Uh,
1: and I'm not sure... Uh, Elizabeth Warren, does she not
2: have a chance at all?
1: Well, certainly. I think Senator Warren is a very prominent um, person. One One of the challenges about picking Senator Warren is that she's from a state with a Republican governor, so that if she were the running mate and they were elected, it would cost the Democrats a seat in the Senate. So that may be a factor cutting against her. But but certainly she's a person who is really at the top of American politics right now and is a very able person. And and, and so I think she could very well be in the conversation as well.
2: You've written a book, Joel, as well about Joe Biden. Um, It seems like with this pandemic, there probably will be no big furore this year with the announcement of vice presidents and running mates. Is that going to have an impact on the likes of Joe Biden's pick? Because the power, excitement and enthusiasm which surrounds these massive events where the candidate shows off his or her pick to the world really sets the stage and is you know, the starting gun for the election because Joe Biden himself saw the power of that when he was chosen by Barack Obama.
1: I mean, in many respects, this is going to be the first time that a woman is chosen for vice president who really has a very good chance of being elected vice president. The two prior times when women were chosen for the ticket were both situations where the the ticket was was in pretty desperate straits and they were looking for a choice to try and remake the political landscape. This time, whoever uh, Vice President Biden selects has a very good chance of being the next vice president. Um, and maybe um, four years down the line or in the future becoming president. Um, and so it really is a historic moment. And yet some of these um, events that would normally uh, focus attention on the selection um, may be missing or, or may maybe in very different um, type of events than we're accustomed to.
0: Joel, that's great. Thanks yeah. so much for speaking with us today. Thank you. Thanks Thank for you, Joel. Me.
2: Take care, bye-bye. Bye-bye. I know, I know, I haven't seen it and I should have probably done my homework for this podcast and watched every episode of Veep.
0: Yeah, we cannot do our Ve- our vice president special here on the podcast without talking about the comedy series veep i hope most of the listeners have seen it it's very very funny it's a hbo series it was created by the hilarious armando Inucci, who of course created the thick of it and loads of other really really funny political comedies it stars julia louis-dreyfus who many people might know from seinfeld she's the vice president she's vice president selena myers and she is not a very pleasant woman. She's deeply, <laughs> deeply insecure. She's absolutely horrible to her staff. Gary, what are my nicknames?
1: There's just, there's just some nicknames that it's necessary for us to search on to kind of pick up on blog coverage.
0: But I mean, like what?
1: Uh, okay, there's, um, there's one that has to do with the legislation you did to support women breastfeeding in public. That
0: was good legislation. There was
1: good legislation. Mammary Meyer.
0: Yeah, please. Yeah. Um, are there others? Liar the Liar The Batcave Face, Selena Meh She's constantly looking for reassurance uh, And it's, it's very, very, very funny You must check it out, Jackie Particularly in light of what's going to be coming up here
2: I know, I know I need to watch it I really do It might add some light relief to everything that's going on at the moment Yeah, but until next week, Brian Sure, I will chat to you next week
0: Thanks, Jackie Talk to you next week